Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening? Not much, man. I'm uh, I'm in my uh, I, like I, I we talked about me selling my house, so uh, I'm just to use the Wi-Fi. I'm I'm here alone in the house that I just sold last night. Signed the paperwork, and it now belongs to somebody else. Oh, you're squatting. I'm yeah, squatters' squatting. rights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, but I'm sad. It was a nice house. I did a lot of work on it. Yeah, but your new house has canoe and kayak space. It does. It has like triple the space for a garage for like workshop and boat storage. It has gigantic backyard for more boat storage. It has uh, it has so many options. It's just uh, it's incredible. I'm a big kitchen for me to cook in. I'm excited. A garage that you can build your own cedar strip canoe in. Well, yes. So I need. I have a cedar stripper canoe that's been on hold for 15 years. Wow! <laughs> so I have all everything's ready to go. I built the strong back. I built the frame, and uh, I was just about to start building it, and then uh, my landlord at the time booted me out, and I had to uh, move, and everything went into storage since then. So that was. Uh, 2003 oh my goodness it's been it's been uh it's been 20 some almost 20 years it's been mm-hmm. <laughs> like 19 years yeah 19 years since i worked on that canoe wow yikes crikey yeah so now i can finish it excellent excellent <laughs> well congrats on the it'll new stick place. A, yeah yeah i know it's uh, it is i'm excited to be in the new place and I'm glad that all the financing crap is done. And it's no longer your problem. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly. Now Mm. you just got to worry about moving all your stuff from one house to the new house. Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, you can get rid of your storage unit now? Yep, exactly. Uh So you save some money there. Yeah, and the backyard's so big that I can build my future bunker, my my blackout and my, my bomb my bomb shelter. Oh, you can bury the old school bus in exactly. the backyard. Excellent. <laughs> Just stock it filled uh, with cans. and Yeah. It'll be three levels of sea container deep. <laughs> <laughs> a three-story underground compound. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll become, I can become a prepper. <laughs> there you go. See? Everybody's got to have a yeah, hobby. Yeah. yeah. you got to exactly. have a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> So what else is new besides that? Anything? Because that's been uh, like much. pretty much your entire life for the last while. It has. It has. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been a busy. Uh, what uh, started all this started back in November, and uh, it's finally done as of uh, last night at like ten uh, fifty p.m. when the paperwork was signed. Excellent. So, yeah. Other than that, oh, I uh, my brain is getting better. Oh yes, so, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you were con- I haven't really concussionated. I was concussionated, so I haven't really told you the whole meal deal there. I uh, I ended up, uh, well, I think it's because I was using a computer screen too much, because that's all I do at work. But uh, I was starting to get wonky. The room was moving and and stuff like that, so I went to the hospital and got it checked out. And uh, so I had to go back again the next day. They wanted they wanted sc- CAT scans uh, more than 24 hours apart, because... <laughs> Apparently, the uh, the back of my head inside uh, against my brain was bleeding. Really? 
Yeah. So myself and Siobhan and John telling you you should get that checked out. And I did. And but I did. did it on my own. I didn't do it because <laughs> you told me. I didn't do it because John told me. I didn't do it because my wife told me. I did it because I wanted to. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. <laughs> Whatever helped you sleep at night. <laughs> Anyways, they did say that the bleeding wasn't continuing and it should reabsorb over the next couple of weeks. So they said I'm good to go. Do they notice the, any other post banging flat spots or? No, but with good news though, they did discover that I have a brain. Well, wow. I was very relieved when they said that. Look at that. You actually have a brain. I said, yay. Did you get a second <laughs> that opinion? Was it, it, it was, it, I, I should have got a second opinion. <laughs> got a I, second opinion. I demand a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my brain, but I still demand one. But what's kind of crazy is that uh, I'm, I feel like I'm at about like 98, 99%. I'm, I feel like I'm almost fully recovered. So, yeah. Fully Bounce recovered like to, a... to what status, though? <laughs> yes, yes, there I mean... is that. Is, I, I was never a 100% person in the first place. <laughs> I am I am now 100% of the 80% I was. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was always on the low end of the average, but uh, I'm, I'm back up to almost the low end of the average again. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, you never told me you yeah. ended up going to the hospital for a couple of brain scans. Yeah, I, I missed a few days at work. I sat oh. in sat in local hospital for hours and hours and hours. And but yeah, they said all good, all good, recover well. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. They tell you don't so, do that again. And they didn't say that, but a few people have suggested I should be. Mike Burns has said, "Okay, you got to wear a helmet all the time now." Yeah. It's like, wait a sec. And we're talking like a full-on <laughs> hockey helmet in a cage. We're <laughs> not talking like, like a, hey. a whitewater paddling helmet. <laughs> yes, full cage. <laughs> full cage, hockey helmet. But apparently my head can take it. For now. Strong like bull. I'm like Wolverine. I heal so quick. Right. <laughs> Until you don't. Until you don't, yeah. yeah. Right. But did you die? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Awesome. Well, and glad, if I did, I wouldn't have known it. Out. Yeah, I wouldn't have known yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so that was interesting. So, yeah. Hey, kids, don't uh, don't uh, fall and slip and hit the back of your head on ice. Yeah, it's Lesson learned. Less, Personal experience. Lesson learned. <laughs> this is what, your sixth? <laughs> it's something like that. It's only the... It's only the... My memory's a bit sketchy, but I think it's the only the second time. No, this is a third time on ice. Third. Hockey rink. So a hockey rink when I was in college, playing hockey. No helmet. I was just doing slap shots. Uh-huh. And then Mew Lake Mew Years, uh-huh. where I was playing lightsabers with a bunch of kids uh-huh. and slammed my face on the ice. And then uh, last weekend when I was uh, running down an icy trail after my kids. Excellent. You know what? If I stay away from kids, it shouldn't happen anymore. That's the problem. That's see, people just don't understand. <laughs> They'll take yeah. note every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. Ah, good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, and uh, you're going to the RV for the some camping before you got to take it off the the lot. Yeah, well, yeah, it has to be off the site at the end of the month. So 
We uh, well, we haven't really gone much because of all the house getting house ready for market stuff. But yeah. uh, so we're got uh, two more weekends before we have to remove it from the uh, site. And now that the uh, house is sold, we uh, all that pressure's off. And we can go and uh, relax around the campfire and enjoy some. Uh, well, there's not much snow left anymore, but uh, you're just gonna go and nap. Or maybe I'll go find some more ice. Uh, and nap. <laughs> Dad's napping. I am, uh, should be heading to Fronach Outfitters this Saturday, just north of Kingston. Oh, yes. Yes. Looking at. I wish a, I could go, but I'll be camping. Yeah. Oh, everybody said, oh, if you're going, let me know. If you're going, let me know. So I've been letting people know, and no one can go. So I'm still going. I'm looking at a um, Kokatat Odyssey dry suit. And I figure if I don't get it now, then I'm probably going to end up being SOL. Because yes, you're going to so, go. Because there's a lot of spots around here that had them, and they're all sold out. Yeah. So everybody's getting ready for spring. You probably should have gone like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, week. unfortunately, had other things going on. and but, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm going to head up this weekend. They've got a few in stock, apparently. Or so their website says. <laughs> uh, so I'll go check that out. But yeah, I've I've been saving up for a while. I, sh- I was hoping to get one last fall, and I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, mo- the money's sitting there for it. And if I don't buy one now, the money's not going to be sitting there. Yeah. You know, especially when spring starts and you start looking at, ooh, I got to buy this and I could buy that. And I could, ooh, look, new paddles. <laughs> you know, all that sort of thing. Oh, I could use a new mm-hmm. life jacket. Oh, look at that like, big sea line bag. I need a new one of those. Hey, what happened all the money for the dry suit? Oh, well, you know, there's always <laughs> next year. <laughs> Sounds like what's, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's always next what's year. What's the... Uh... What's the name of the dry suit you're looking at? Kokatat Odyssey. Still it comes in here. tangerine or mantis. And mantis? What's mantis? Uh, like a bright green? green yellow. Yeah? Yeah. Well, they'd be very bright on the water. Mm-hmm. Because see me from space. So... Uh, yeah, I actually have the question because I went looking on the internet about it and I'm not finding anything. The only thing I'm finding sort of related all has to do with scuba diving. But my big question is what do gentlemen with long beards do so that they don't rip their beard straight off their face trying to get their head through that latex oh. gasket? You'd need like a silk stocking over your head or something. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Just put a nylon over my head. That was that, that's actually one of the uh, things people people have said. Put a stocking over your head, so you know, like the old burglar look. Uh, yeah, somebody else yeah. said uh, wasn't for like a long beard, but grease. It was more along the lines for uh, mustaches when you're um, putting a scuba diving suit on and you have the mask as well. They're, they're, mm-hmm. They say grease. It's uh, yeah. put some grease on that. Um, but yeah, I I'm gonna have to figure that out because uh, I was uh, looking at a couple of the videos and they're saying you know you with long hair, 
put yeah. it in a ponytail, but you have to watch out because, you know, you use that elastic for your ponytail and there's the little metal piece. And if it catches, it might accidentally make a nick in the latex uh, oh, yeah, um, exactly. gasket. Yeah. And then that could eventually tear and then yeah. you got a big rip and then your dry suit is just uh, dry everywhere exactly. but at the top <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the only thing. My only big concern is how do I, uh, and even, I mean, getting your head through with the beard is one thing, but then taking it back out is something completely different. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're a little bit wet maybe, and it's going to be mm-hmm. sticky more. Just bring a big bottle of talcum powder and just, just spray it everywhere. And right? of course I know right now people are, we'll just shave it off. <laughs> yeah. That's not an option. That is not an option whatsoever. Just uh, wrap your beard in duct tape. That would not be an option either, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so I can't find a Gort- I can't find the uh Cocotat Mantis. I see a Meridian icon. No no no, the color is Odyssey. Mantis. It's the Odyssey. Oh. oh there we go, the Odyssey. The Cocotat the Odyssey, Odyssey has the hood. But yeah. the, the green color is called Mantis, and the orange color is called tangerine. Got it. There we go. I see it. And it's got the relief zipper at the front. Yeah. Because you know, the minute I fight my beard into that thing, <laughs> I gotta pee. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> so they said they have some. Uh, their, their website says they got some in stock. You should so, call them and get them to put one on layaway for you or something. Well, I called them to to find out and uh, yeah. haven't heard back from them. But my plan is to go up on Saturday and check. I just want to drive online. I'm looking online and only the smalls are available. Well, no, you got to click that S, and it'll bring open the other sizes. But are, they have X's through the sizes have slashes through them. Where who are you looking at? Uh dot com. No, I'm going to Frontenac Outfitters. Oh. Yeah, you can order it from Cocotat. Cause I think they're in the States somewhere. I won't be back in time for work on Monday. Who is it that's in Canada? It's uh it's uh level six is a Canadian. Oh level six is a Canadian one up in Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that people are ordering sort of knockoffs online and they're not as good as the actual level six ones. Yes. And they're fine. There's a yes. lot of issues. You get what you pay for. But anyway, so Kevin that's, that's on uh, the, Kevin Callens on Frontenac Outfitters uh, webpage. Uh-oh, what's he doing now? Uh, talking about winter camping workshop. Oh, yeah, he Kevin did Kellen the winter camping uh, workshops with yeah. Frontenac Outfitters there this year. Yeah, on January 31st. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, that's right. Look at that. Because it's only uh, like a half hour north of Kingston. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So. Uncle Kev getting, it, getting himself out there again. Look at that, eh? Look at that. So, uh, yeah, other than that, that's all that's happening here. Getting ready for summer. Can't wait, can't wait. Well, not even summer. Gonna <laughs> forget that that uh, dry suit. I'm waiting for spring. Exactly. You can, yeah, then you're a bit safer and you can go out and like Alan does so many things that are, that are dry suit dependent, right? Yep. And so you can be able to join him on a lot of his little. Uh, well, that's part of the reasons because he does some spring ones and he does some late 
uh, fall, winter ones as well that he's he just sends out the invites and it's just like, I'd love to try that. However, mm. I have this thing about hypothermia. We, you know, just doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so they have three in stock. Can't wait. Got to do it. Got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to get a hold of them because uh, I'm not sure if the extra large is out of stock. And people who listen to this tomorrow are going to go, I'm going there. I'm, I'm going to get it out. <laughs> so the large is out of stock. Large and red. Oh, they had the extra large today in both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Yeah. I'll so wait to hear from them and ex- see what they say. Extra large in the green mantis thing is available. Yeah. I have one of them. Ba-da-ba. Ba-da-ba. And it's very visible. Yes, from space. They'll be able to see your body floating on the lake from space. Exactly. That was the whole purpose <laughs> of my old orange um, life jacket. It was so bright. Yeah. yeah. I, even Mark Rubino there had said, Dude, can you, like, turn that down? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being safe. <laughs> yeah, when the rest of you guys aren't being found, they're, <laughs> they're seeing me from way up in the space station going, yeah, there he is right there. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> but, uh, no, other than that, not too much is happening, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited that you're getting yourself a dry suit. Yeah, I wish too. I was getting one, but uh, it's just not the right year for me. I'll let you touch it. <laughs> oh wait, wait the dry is the dry suit, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> um let's talk about something that's going on in the world here. Sure. Uh we have talked before about the paddling community. How everybody steps up with everything. If some someone needs yes. something the paddling community, you know, they they'll step up and help them out and support them. Whatever they can do, right? So, of course, everybody knows the big what's going on over in Europe there with uh, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. The National Canoe Federations across Europe have gathered to support Ukrainian athletes uh, affected by this ongoing conflict. Athletes Organization Sports Club have faced uh, the drastic consequence of the war, including zero access to funds as money transfers within Ukraine have been banned until further notice. And several activities and initiatives have been organized by the paddling community to provide all athletes with a safe and supportive environment where they may be reunited with family members. So, yeah, you know, everybody's, there's a lot of people moving around throughout Europe that are part of the uh, Ukrainian paddling community that can't, can't get home, have family back there, have, like, like they say, their funds are cut off all of a sudden. What do they do? Uh, International Canoe Federation President Thomas Konietzko has met more than 120 Ukrainian athletes stuck without a means to move in Turkey. Group includes 51 senior athletes, 51 juniors, and 25 para-canoe athletes. So they got to, what are you going to do, 120 athletes, what are you going to do with them? So exactly. Touching base with all the different uh, 
groups, a large part of the team will move to Romania where they've offered accommodation. Another group will move uh, straight to Bulgaria. Junior athletes have been offered sites in Poland, Hungary, France, Germany, and Estonia. So, you know, they're, they're, they're reaching out. Everybody's offering. Everybody's helping out uh, because this is a, a hard time for all these people. Generosity of our friends at the Romanian Canoe Federation and other federations throughout Europe is something we should all be very proud of, he says. Within hours of this crisis unfolding, offers began flooding in. It certainly brought some smiles to a group of athletes who are doing a, going through a very tough time at the moment. They all have family, friends still in Ukraine, so every day is full of worry and distress for them. I urge our canoeing family to continue to step up to support Ukraine. Unfortunately, this crisis may not be over for a long time, so we need to provide as much help as we can. Uh, around 25 para-canoe athletes, including five in wheelchairs, still need ac- accommodation, but the ICF hope the paddling community will continue to come together to support the cause. So still, for 120. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, that's, that's a lot of athletes to all of a sudden find accommodations and and everything for it, like at a moment's notice, right? Mm-hmm. So the ICF have created a GoFundMe account to make payments easier to support Ukrainian canoe athletes, coaches, and their families. Because, yeah, that's the other thing is you're we're talking athletes, but they're still the coaches and everything, you know, you're – you're not just it's sending, a team. Yeah. yeah. You're not just sending the, the athletes team. out. There, there's the team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the funds will go towards accommodation, food, and other expenses to help them through this period until peace can be restored in Ukraine and athletes can go back to a normal life. So if you go to canoeicf.com, there's a lot of info there on their uh, GoFundMe page and uh, where you can donate to to help the the athletes, and this money's supposed to go right to helping the athletes uh, while during this time. So again, we've talked about it many times how when something goes sour, uh, the paddling community always seems to step up and help its own, right? Well, it's like a family, right? And we've seen that we've said that before. We've seen it ourselves, where it's uh, you know the community. It's and it is a community. It's like a family, and uh, they do gather together to help their own, and and they reach outside and they help others. Like uh, you know Warren with his uh, stand-up paddleboarding, and he he does various fundraisers and stuff to help people out. And mm-hmm. it's just you see a lot of people that are involved within their own community, and they they help out. And there's a lot of there's a lot of goodwill there. It's, uh, it's like a family. Yeah, what is it with us people? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I think any closed community or any any community like that, like, you know, it's before it was like kayaking community and the canoeing community, but they've all kind of blended together recently and over the last, uh, you know, half decade or so. And so it's just become a larger family as you see crossovers between them and and but if even if if it was uh, you name it like the the you know, the the hockey families or the soccer families like everybody helps out yeah. their own right yeah and uh, so it's just but you see that uh, with with the paddling community paddling communities tend to be international and uh, so you see a lot more international efforts as they you know help their own whether it be this 
this situation in Ukraine, or if it's just uh, supporting people getting to, uh, you know, into sport and or people, you know, in trouble and being helped and so on. It's uh, it, I find that every time we've gone out to events or whatever, it's it's like you everybody's sort of welcomed in and you don't there's no uh there's no you know side looks or anything like that it's just like hey you're a paddler too how's it going mm-hmm. so it's a good feeling it is it is so hopefully as they say hopefully uh this doesn't last too long and uh there's enough help out there to help these athletes uh over the time exactly yeah yeah uh staying over in Europe we talked about the big underground lake St. Leonard in Switzerland. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, about 1,000 feet long, 300 meters underground, which is, you know, pretty cool to be able to paddle there, right? Yeah. Competition at stand-up paddleboard events is fierce given the sport's rising popularity, but competing on Europe's biggest underground lake adds another level of difficulty. Uh, this Past weekend, 60 athletes took part in the BAT race at St. Leonard in Switzerland as part of the seven-stage Alpine Lakes Tour. Something like that, if I was a, a racer, well, not a good racer, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would really care if I won that race or not. I mean, you go out there to race and win, but... Just to be able to paddle in a race underground, I'm like, that, that's cool. It is. It's the environment itself is, it's a unique environment to be in because it's just like it's nighttime or it's nighttime all the time. Type. Yeah. Uh, so it's all, of, you know, artificial lighting and so on. And so it's just, it's that thought that you're in an enclosed space. It's unique. It's different. And it just adds to the uh, atmosphere of doing something different that is paddling, right? Oh, and it's, so. it's totally different. I mean, different than any regular race, right? Yeah. And, I mean, that just makes it special. So paddlers com- compete on the long underground lake on a course illuminated by lights, making it a special leg for the tour for athletes. Uh, the organizer, Benoit Morin, even if it is lit, it is dark, and doing a sport like that, we soon realize that we lack oxygen. We struggle to breathe, but mainly it's for fun. So what does he mean by that? Is that an English to French issue there? No, I think he's, lack it's, of oxygen? I think because it's underground, right, and it's dark. You you're, have a lower level of oxygen? Well, I think, it's a mental thing. I think it's a mental thing. Because that, he's indicating that there's low oxygen in the area. It's like, well, you got 60 gonna... people down there sucking up the air. It's not like you're out in the open. I got to think there's, like, Wait a sec. there's only so much oxygen down there. Right? Yeah, but still, it's, it sounds dangerous. Well, but one thing that I was thinking about is, uh, so think about it. How many times are you on a, on a canoe trip and it's like, man, headwind. Okay, turn around. Man, the wind shifted. I got a headwind. Mm-hmm. Well, down there. There's no wind. No, because there's no oxygen, apparently. <laughs> yes, that too. No wind and no oxygen. Good luck, boys. <laughs> Whoever lasts the longest wins. <laughs> yes. To realize the- that you are paddling underground, this is the only race in the world like that, and people like that originality. And that's mm-hmm. the big thing is you got to add something, right? 
to, to attract people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that definitely paddling underground is, is definitely unique. Uh, one competitor said, on the sea, we have the open sky. Here we're in the cave, but it is magnificent. The setting is wonderful. It is magical. That's pretty cool. So even the competitors, like, you know, even they like it. You know, I, I got to think it's a draw for them to come and, and paddle underground. You know, yeah. and, you know, so to include it as part of a race in this, this seven leg series. Yeah. You know, that just yeah. adds to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Pretty next cool. year, I think that you should get your stand up paddle board and go <laughs> racing. Yeah. There we go. It's not like you need the oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, one more thing here, and this one is is had me thinking about downtown Toronto. So, in Sydney, Australia, for there's there's many people who live near the water. Uh, there's one woman, Lauren O'Neill. She bought a kayak during the pandemic for. Social distanced exercise and following the lead of other boat owners in the area. Uh, and she started chaining her kayak to the fence at Rush Cutters Bay. And there is a, I, I, there was a picture online and there's like this, this fence along, like, uh, there's the water, the beach, some grass, and then this fence and then like the road and, and whatnot. There's like 130 canoes and kayaks and paddle boards chain <laughs> to this fence. So there's a bit of a thing going on right now and I can see both sides of the story. It's been really nice to get out on the harbor and explore the water from different perspective. Paddling past fish, all the seabirds in the glimmering water is really relaxing way to spend your time. And from her perspective, seeing all the kayaks lined up along the fence brings life and color to the park. It is a visible reminder of the joy kayaking brings to so many residents. Cool. However, okay. others, others see it differently. The city of Sydney has put up signs uh, at Rushcutters Bay and Bear Park, giving notice for owners to remove their property. After May 17th, council members... Uh, officers will remove any watercraft left behind, store them for 28 days with a $220 fee payable for owners to retrieve them. Oh. Council then reserves the right to sell them after that 28 days. Huh. So they're getting tired of the, uh, the sight of all the kayaks and canoes and watercraft tied to their fence. I don't think the city of Sydney would have said anything except it was... They say they are acting on complaints from residents and park visitors about the significant buildup of about 130 kayaks, boats, and paddle boards at the two parks. Well, they need to build some, you know, typically at, at uh, provincial parks where you have the the waterfront racks where the, you can rent the boats from. There's yep. just these all these wooden racks. So they need to build a, a bunch of those covered and uh, it'll, you know, they're lockable and uh, it kind of makes the area look more attractive they need to do some fundraising to well that's the whole thing right that's what they're they're sort of getting at with this is oh are they because i mean downtown toronto at the harbor front 
there's the area that you can you can rent a, a spot. I think it's like four four hundred dollars a, a for the season if you're a member and four fifty or not a member. Um, so she says. Uh, she she lives in a tiny studio with no room for a kayak and it also too heavy for her to carry from her home to the waterfront all the time. She has looked into private storage facilities nearby, but they are fully subscribed and prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Leading her to say, I'll probably have to sell it. And that would be such yeah. a shame. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. If you can't store it, you can't keep it. Yeah. I found pictures of the fence. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of boats that's right there along the, the grass. And you can see where they've been there so long the grass has died. Yeah. So there's one woman down there who says that she's lived there for 30 years, doesn't even own a boat, but uh, is so outraged by the council's stance that she has started a change.org petition calling for it to provide racks for the storage of kayaks and canoes. Mm-hmm. I think it should be the objective of the council to look into ways to establish more people uh, or sorry, to enable more people to enjoy our public spaces rather than issuing signs and preventing people from getting out and being active. So this petition points out that it's an area where many people live in apartments, often without parking or storage areas. And paddling yeah. on the harbor is a fitness activity that should be part of the council's well-being plan. Yeah. Right? So that's what, we're, that's what you fully agree is saying, well, you want these people to be healthy. You want them to be getting out of doors. You're saying, be healthy, get outdoors, paddle in Sydney Harbor. But don't store your kayaks here. But take your kayaks with you when you go. Yeah. Uh, Sydney of Sydney spokesperson says there's no plans to build storage facilities at Rushcutter Bay or Bear Park to accommodate the demand. Yeah. A facility to safely store such a large number of boats and paddles would take up a significant amount of the area's limited green open space and constructing such a facility would be inconsistent with the park's approved plan of management. A spokesperson said, leaving equipment unattended on public land is a safety risk, restricts access to the area, makes maintenance difficult and negatively impacts landscaping and the look and feel of these spaces, which are used by the community for a wide variety of recreational activities. Huh. So there, there, there isn't the places to store and what places there are to store are already filled or too yeah. expensive and yeah. they're not going to supply it. Basically it sounds like they're saying, well, too bad. So sad. Take it with you. <laughs> Two neighboring uh, places, neighboring Wollara council has dinghy storage uh, at the, on their website stating the waiting list is three to five years in oh. all their locations. Oh, wow. <laughs> Inner West Council has watercraft racks at six waterfront parks, and the waiting list is up to two years. Wow. So this is Sydney, Australia. You got to think how many places around the world, once COVID hit, and all of a sudden there was the big rush on canoes, kayaks, stand up paddle boards because people wanted to get outside, and that was a good socially distancing activity. 
all the people, and again, I go to downtown Toronto being one of the, the spots, you know, because it's just right there. And all the people that have these now and have no place to store them. Mm-hmm. Like, so that sounds like a good money-making scheme. If somebody else can find some very localized uh, vacant property or or somehow can work with the community to build some sort of structure, like right along a fence line, you don't need much space, but you can stack these watercraft like, you know, four, maybe five high on racks. Like a, a right small warehouse fence. or something, right? Yeah. That's a Just, money-making scheme. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, if, if people are going to, if, if the, if the city's going to take away the kayaks, then it would be a huge incentive for people to pay for storage, say, you know, a couple dollars a month, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then they can have easy, secure, uh, you know, under the weather access to their boats. Mm-hmm. Well, they say they don't have the room to store all those, those canoes and kayaks. Well, I don't know. It looks like they have room right now because the canoes and kayaks are already stored there. That's what I'm saying. They do have the room. It just happens to yeah, be against they the just fence. need to make uh, vertical racks for the for the canoes and kayaks. Instead of stacking them like they're cordwood, they just uh, build racks right along the fence line. So they're already there. This obviously it's, there's room. Yeah. And uh, if it was tidied up and uh, stacked and racked properly, then a lot of the rest of the community wouldn't complain so much about it. I bet you that's probably what it is. It's because they're all they're all willy nilly, right? Yeah, it's an eyesore, yeah. Yeah, if you were to stack them up like three or four high sort of thing and then a yeah. row of them. A row of them. <laughs> need somebody in there with deep pockets. You know those storage you know those storage structures you see in Japan with for cars or bicycles and stuff? It's yeah. like either ten stories deep or ten stories high and it just this machine comes, takes your car away and moves it somewhere. So you, and just you need gotta one of those things for kayaks. If you're if you char if if you charge by the season. I mean, even here, like 400 bucks per kayak for the season, per person. Yeah. 400 times 130 boats. Yeah, it adds, it's good. One, two and, years and, tops, you've recouped the money. Yeah. Right? And see, people listening are going to say, what? My 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 open uh, my open top uh, kayak only cost me 400 bucks. Well, yeah, I guess you could Put it there and have the city take it away and cost two hundred twenty bucks to get it. Well, back. yeah, I, I mean, I'm only saying four hundred based on downtown Toronto prime real sure. estate waterfront. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it'd be four hundred bucks, but still, you know, like if you're still paying that, you know, a hundred, two hundred bucks or whatever for the full season. Yeah. And I think their season paddling season in Australia is a tad longer than ours. Give give or take twelve months. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I gotta think this is is becoming an issue in a lot of places because I mean, and that's that's the whole purpose. You got like ONAC canoes and stuff like that, and kayaks is uh, they're all foldable and will fit in somebody's closet, right? Yeah. So maybe that's also another opportunity for somebody to start sticking advert advertisements on these uh, stored kayaks and say, "Hey, uh, do you do you want a folding kayak? Do you want an inflatable kayak? Come to my business and we'll take care of you." Yeah. Right. Trade it in. Trade in your bulky kayak for our nice slim origami kayak. Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, we'll keep an eye on that, see what happens. I, I have a feeling that's going to be a bit of a, a fight that happens. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to obviously going to do something about it. There's enough people complaining, right? There's enough people complaining on both sides, I think. And I think there's just some people, well, it's an eyesore. Well, you know what? If people, if you put some cheap racks there where it, it looked yeah. neatly stacked, I don't think they would have an issue. Well, it may be an eyesore, but it's somebody getting out and doing some exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a bonus right there. And you're supposed to be looking at the water, not the road where the, road where the fence is. Exactly. <laughs> Priorities. Get them straight. Yeah. Um, we got one more thing here, and it's a big one. It's a big one. You brought this one up, and uh, um, you wanted to talk about Cape's Caught Marine Trail. Oh, yes. In so yeah, I, yes, I had uh, I'd come across a story where the uh, and it took them like ten years to finish the build, yeah. and so it was recently completed, and so now they're they still don't have the um, the full gamut of campsites and put in some takeouts, but they're working they're working on it right right. So it's like it's mostly done. It's ready to go. So they were announcing that here we are, we're ready to go, and here's uh, the newest addition to the BC Marine Trails. It's the fourth section, mm-hmm. and it's the northernmost section, and so it's right at the tip of Vancouver Island. And so when I saw this, I thought, oh man, this is. Uh, I would love to be able to take a couple weeks, or maybe retire early and spend uh, you know six months doing these marine trails. And uh, I think it would be it's the, the Vancouver Island and. Uh, you know, the the Strait of Juan de Fuca and, you know, the Queen Charlotte Islands. It's a beautiful place to paddle. It's it's fantastic. There's so much sea life. There's so much to see. It's, and, well, uh, well I, I took a peek at this Cape Scott Marine Trail. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, what's, what's it all about? And thought I'd take a peek. And then I realized this is part of the BC Marine Trails. Yeah. Uh, which is made up of four smaller trails. Right. Um, so they have the Cape Scott Marine Trail, the Gulf Islands Marine Trail, the Sea to Sky Marine Trail, and the Salish Sea Marine Trail. And that makes up the BC Marine Trail. This, these four trails together basically go from the Washington border all the way up the BC coast to the Alaskan border. Yes. That's a lot of so, marine trail. It is. So the, the marine trails themselves, like these four trails are smaller sections of that entire network. Yeah. And they're considered the BC marine trail system, but there's all the way up, even in between all of these little trail sections, there's lots of areas to paddle and they have like uh, campgrounds campsites put-ins takeouts it's it's all you know it's all organized and planned and and so easy access it's uh launch sites and campsites it's it's a fantastic area on you know, most of them are on the inside of vancouver island between the mainland and vancouver island yeah and there's a few they're more sporadic on the outside but it's a lot rougher there you need a lot more experience to paddle on the outside of the island but uh it's a it's a beautiful area you get uh snow-capped mountains on, on your view wherever you go you get uh, marine wildlife and it's just a it's an extraordinary area and place to paddle 
So what I thought we'd do here is uh, talk a little bit about each of the trails, the four legs. Yes. So well, we might as well start with the Cape Scott Marine Trail. Okay. Uh, this extends from Fort Rupert and Port Hardy around the top of Vancouver Island through Cape Scott Provincial Park and back to Coal Harbor uh, via, was it Quatsina Sound? Yes. Trail heads into some of the most dramatic wilderness areas of the British Columbia coastline, including all of Cape Scott Provincial Park. Cape Scott region is home to humpback whales, wolves, black bears, and eagles, which is pretty cool. Notably, it is now crossed by the North Coast Trail, a land route created in 2008 to join with the older Cape Scott Trail that runs from San Joseph Bay to the Cape Scott Lighthouse. So there are uh, there's there's some of these I've noticed uh, link up with land trails as well. Yes, it's all they're interlinked. Yeah, creating this route has involved the formal creation of several new marine campsites along Quatsino Sound, as well as site improvements and infrastructure with collaboration of Quatsino First Nation. So they say to plan your trip, Port Hardy is approximately 500 kilometers north of Victoria, 400 kilometers north of Vancouver. I never did do the mileage uh, conversion here. Uh, yeah, from the south end of the island to the north end of this island, it's uh, depending on traffic, it's only about four to five hour drive. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, if you were to land and, you know, rent a car and uh, and uh, head north, pick up your rental kayak or whatever, you know, it's your one day is going to get you into the start of the trail in Port Hardy area. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, just lost my spot here. Uh, the best part of the day just to, yeah, so you can plan the best part of your day just to get to north along Vancouver Island. Correct. Another another launch location onto Quatsino Sound is Caprino Harbor or Winter Harbor will involve a lengthy additional drive along gravel logging roads. Be sure to bring a spare a tire and a pump as one flat tire can be expected and two should be planned for. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of fear mongering there. But yeah, yeah, that's the what I'm are, thinking. Roads are pretty rough there, but they, it's better to be prepared than, uh, than be surprised. Right. Yeah. Vancouver, North Vancouver Island is approximately five hour drive from Nanaimo, uh, or the ferry, uh, at departure Bay. You can launch at several locations, depending on whether you are completing, the whole Cape Scott Marine Trail or accessing just part of it. That's what I've noticed about these uh, is you, there's all these different launch sites so that you have the ability to do the whole thing or just bits. And all the legs exactly. are like that, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. Most yeah. people traveling the route start from Port Hardy area and transit counterclockwise. And a, a list of launch sites can be found at the website. The best way to find campsite is on the BC Marine Trails map. There's a number of excellent campsites along the route. So there, there's an interactive map at bcmarinetrails.org. I would say have Google Maps open so that you can type in names and stuff and 
just go to that spot and see where it is and then go to the marine map and find the locations because they have so many dots on there that list all these different things. I'll get to those afterwards, but there's so much information on this interactive map is definitely worth uh, looking at it. Uh, The second leg is the Gulf Islands Marine Trail. This encompasses most of the Gulf Islands from Newcastle Island and Gabriola Island to Vancouver and a number of islands within the Gulf Islands National Park Reserve. Some routes on the outside of Gabriola Island, Valdez and Galliano Islands have fewer sites and do not meet the marine trail safety mandates. And that's another big thing that they deal with is the, the marine trail safety mandate. They plan their trails with um, campsites and emergency sites all along so that you can that you'll always have a place to get to and you're not going to be going a massively long stretch that you might make it by end of day you might not make it by end of day their safety for the paddlers is uh, when you when you start going through the website it's a huge huge part of these trails popular paddling area is experienced in many ways watching river otters play on the sandstone shores often idyllic paddling conditions and cries of bald eagles many of the campsites are either a bc provincial marine park or the gulf islands national park reserve trail was officially opened in 2011 and they continue to work with first nations stewardship and marine trail safety within the area The Gulf Islands Marine Trail can be enjoyed as one long expedition, but there's plenty of ways to just enjoy portions, which again, with all the different launch sites, lets you do... I mean, not everybody has two weeks to do a full route or something like that, right? No, exactly. You know, you may have, oh, you know, let's go for a weekend or a three-day thing. Yeah, and so you spend, uh, if you lived out in the area, then you spend like a, a couple years of weekends and, you know, you get out about, you know, a couple dozen times a year and you get to do little tiny sections here, sections there, and you kind of get, build it up like you're punching a card, right? It's, yeah. uh, or you, you go out there for two weeks and get a good long section and you get a couple uh, really long days and you kind of, you know, you, you get a good section in just for a quick vacation if you're coming in from outside the area. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's all perfect. possible. It's all, there's so many options about how to uh, attack these routes. Yeah. Uh, if you're arriving by car, they say the Mer- Gulf Islands Marine Trail has several entry points, including Nanaimo, Ladysmith, Maple Bay, Mill Bay, or you can travel to one of the main Gulf Islands. Hazards and risks. The BC Marine Trail Network has pinpointed some key location where risks are increased due to pre-existing known conditions or possibility of risks. Recurring safety considerations include, and I've noticed they've included these on all the the four legs of the the trail. Yes. Currents and rips. Conditions are lessened, if not eliminated, at slack time, so check your tide and current tables. And again, if you're coming from like Ontario or something like that, where you're not used we're to tides, you used to learn tides, quick. you better, <laughs> yeah, you'll, that, you'll, you'll figure that out really quick. Yeah. It's a steep learning curve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ferry lane crossings. There's several, several busy ferry corridors that must be crossed over 
the course of the Gulf Islands Marine Trail and the Salish Sea Marine Trail and the Sea to Sky Marine Trail, risks can be minimized by monitoring the appropriate Canadian Coast Guard vessel traffic services broadcast channels and by calling in on that same channel to alert traffic to your presence. Shipping lanes. This is a bit of a doozy. Be sure to know where shipping lanes are located on your charts and monitor Canadian Coast Guard vessel traffic service broadcast channels to track shipping movement. Uh, just because you see a big ship coming doesn't mean they see you coming and they could be on you faster than you think. Yes, and you're small. You may be wearing bright clothes or bright dry suits and so on. But uh, you know, if there's there's fog involved here, inclement weather, lots of rain, so it, it could be very difficult to see you at times. So you have to watch out for yourself and don't expect the boat not to run you over. Yeah. Uh, there are several campsites within the Gulf Islands Marine Trail in the Gulf Islands National Park Reserve. There are several campsites that paddlers can access easily. Best uh, way to find launches and campsites again is. Uh, the online interactive map. Number three is the Sea to Sky Marine Trail. It's part of the two major trail networks in BC and Canada. This is one of the ones that link up. It's uh, the Trans-Canada Trail and the BC Marine Trails Network. So the Trans-Canada Trail goes right across Canada and it links up to this one. Three existing yes. provincial parks and a regional park are also part of this trail system. So it's it's neat how they have all these separate little things, but they join them all together. So yes. it's it's like a giant, it's almost like a giant park, right? Yeah. So but, in this area here, the Sea to Sky Sky, the Sea to Sky Highway is basically Vancouver to to Whistler, right? That uh, that long route. So in in at the lowlands, where right uh, at the start of the mountains, where the where the mountains meet the ocean, that's where the Sea to Sky Marine Trail is. And so basically, it uh, it mirrors the route of the Sea to Sky Highway. And there's lots of different entries and exits and stuff. It's a really beautiful area. It's uh, like Squamish is in the area, which is yep. very popular for mount for mountaineering, rock climbing, and so on. So it's a, it's a, again, it's a beautiful site, and you're right there at the base of the mountains. Like, you got full view of snow-capped mountains as you paddle. Well, and that was, you know, going from Vancouver up that fjord to Squamish, that's like a beautiful area. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So the concept of the Sea to Sky Marine Trail Network started with the need to connect the Sea to Sky Trail land route, southern terminus in Squamish, with the Trans-Canada Trail in West Vancouver. Develop a connecting land route to Sea to Sky Trail. Standards was too hard as the east side of Howe Sound is mostly cliffs over water, with the railway and Highway 99 dominating the lowest elevations. The Howe Sound Crest Trail was felt to be too strenuous, being almost mountaineering. The obvious alternative was a water route. So that's what they've connected the um, Trans-Canada Trail to it. The Sea to Sky Marine Trail is not a true linear trail connecting Horseshoe Bay to Squamish. Generally, paddlers access the trail from a few key locations where there is overnight parking and reasonable access to BC Parks and BCMT recreation sites. 
it's best that you choose a gateway or launch point where you wish to start and plan your trip by accessing the map. There's a number of ways to access the Sea to Sky Marine Trail. And uh, again, like the launch sites and campsites, check the map and there's plenty of them. Uh, additionally, there are three provincial campsites on the ski, sea to, I want to keep saying ski, ski to sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the sea to sky trail currently. Uh, the three provincial sites are Harkett, uh, sorry, Halkett Bay Marine Provincial Park, Plumper Cove Marine Provincial Park, and Porto Cove Provincial Park. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's, as opposed to just the, the marine trail itself, there's actually provincial parks involved there as well. Um, the last part is the, and this is the s- southernmost section. The Salish Sea Marine Trail joins two of the great British Columbia cities by a paddling route that leads into some of the great wilderness locations of the Salish See as part of the Trans Canada Trail Great Trail. Did I say Salish the first time? Uh, I don't know. I think so. It's Salish. It, 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 yeah, it's Salish. It's Salish. It looks like Salish. Yeah. Experience the elegance of Victoria, the serenity of the Gulf Islands, the wilderness of Central Georgia Basin, the beaches and sunset of the Sunshine Coast, the magnificence of Howe Sound, and the vibrancy of Vancouver. It is a marine trail like none other. The full trail is an expedition for veteran paddlers that could take upwards of two weeks, but it is also broken down into smaller sections so you can experience different aspects of shorter, simpler journeys to fit your time frame, skill level, and interests. The Salish Sea Marine Trail consists of four legs, Victoria to Sydney, Sydney to Nanaimo, uh, which is one part of the Gulf Islands Marine Trail. So there is a crossover, like you were saying. Crossing the Georgia Strait from Nanaimo to Seashell and the Sunshine Coast from Seashell to Jericho Beach. Is it Se- no, sorry, it's Seychelles. Yeah, Seychelles. Seychelles. It's been so long since I've pronounced these names. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are many launch sites. Uh, again, uh, the map is the central repository of information on these launch sites and it's regularly updated by regional managers and data managers of the BC Marine Trails. So look for the blue icons. Note that some stretches of the trail do not meet maximum distance between campsites, and you may have to include a uh, bed and breakfast or a beach camping site along the way. So they, they have sites, but if you don't quite make it, there's there's stretches that you may not, so you'll, you'll have to throw in an extra campsite of your own. Uh, talking about the, the four legs of this trail, the Salish Sea one, leg one is 52.6 kilometers from Victoria inner Harbor to rum Island. Oh, I like it already. (laughs) (laughs) Leg two is 92 kilometer stretch, um, which it duplicates the central route of the Gulf Islands Marine Trail running east and north of Salt Spring Island and along Trincomalee Channel through False Narrows to Nanaimo. Uh, A multitude of side routes possible, of course, with one being the inside route along the west side of Salt Spring Island 
through Sansom Narrows, as well as side routes through Stewart Channel. There's a lot of little, like you can spend so much time paddling all the you little could, channels and you, rivers and. Yeah, you could spend a lifetime just, uh, and is, everything looks different, high tide, low tide. And, you know, some of the transits are a little bit sketchy when, during the tidal change. So you have riptides and, you know, and stuff like that. But you can be in the same place 10 times in a row and it'll always look different. Yeah. It's just a fantastic area. It's like it, everything changes with the tides. Everything was different for the seasons. It's uh, You could spend a lifetime in just a small area and, and never get enough of it. And you've you've done paddling out there. I have. I yeah. I have mostly paddled in the area of Victoria itself. I didn't get too far out into the islands because I was at the time I was only starting paddling. I was learning it. I joined a local uh, kayak club out there. Right. And uh, so that that was like that was some of the you know I, I paddled as a kid back in New Brunswick, but this is where I started really getting into into you know water into paddling right right as an adult. So. But yeah, I, I did a lot of Victoria area paddling mostly. Well, if you were still out there, then you'd be doing all this now. I, I would be. I'd have my own kayak, and my brother he lives out there. He's got a kayak, and so he he does a lot of this paddling, and he enjoys it. It's a it's just a beautiful area. It's a, it's an amazing place to paddle. It means you got to go back. Oh, absolutely! I just couldn't afford to live out there. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so leg three is 84 kilometers from Newcastle Island Maritime, uh, Marine Provincial Park in Nanaimo to Friendship Park in Seychelles. It's a wilderness section of the Salish Sea Marine Trail with much of the most dramatic shoreline uh, and isolated locations. The trick is the open ocean crossing to get here, which yes. is uh, could be placid to downright dangerous depending on the weather. This makes it a fairly advanced route, but the attention to the forecast and timing moderate skill levels should have no issues. You need to be experienced paddler to uh, to do this. It's about 10 kilometers, yeah. whether from Vancouver Island or the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. You definitely it's, need some uh, skills. You, you need some skills. You need to have your... You need to have a lot of tools in your toolbox, right? Yeah. You need to be able to be familiar with your your watercraft. You need to be familiar with the paddle. You need to be you need to have like communication devices and and dry suit and and so on. Like you need to have gear and equipment, but you also need to have what's in your head, right? You need to yeah. have some experience on these open water sections to be safely out there, or else you're just going to end up having to be in a rescue situation. Exactly. Like, like, you know, nine times out of ten, you might be uh, in fair weather, but, uh, you know, storms blow in. It's uh, year-round. It's a sketchy area. you got the Olympic uh, Mountains there and main, uh, mountains on the mainland. It's you got some weird weather patterns in there, and you have no idea which way the winds or the water is going to be flowing. And it's, yeah, like you, you say, that experience. nine times out of ten, it would be good, but that tenth time could be your last. Yeah. Yeah, you know. and then you're looking for rescues, and yeah, you know, and oftentimes I've I've often heard stories of uh, like there's a lot of uh, marine traffic, like the BC ferries going from the islands to the mainland, you know, Victoria to Vancouver to Nanaimo to, you know, the mainland again. It's uh, there's there's often you hear about uh, about open water rescues with uh, you know the uh, the uh, 
BC ferries rescuing kayakers and so on, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not an uncommon thing because a lot of people with low experience just want to go out in this area and and they get themselves into trouble before they're ready for the uh, the full risks of uh, open water like that. Yeah. Uh, the fourth and final leg of the um, Salish Sea Marine Trail, fifty nine point eight kilometers, uh, combines some great mountain scenery and the fjord like setting of Howe Sound, the big city climate of Vancouver, and the expansive beaches of the lower Sunshine Coast. It makes for a varied but imposing area to traverse, involving both major shipping area an open water section along the mouth of Howe Sound, and a lengthy shoreline journey along the lower Sunshine Coast to position yourself to or from the crossing of the Strait of Georgia. So again, this this sounds like... This one, the, the Salish Sea Marine Trail and the Scott... Um, Marine, yeah, Cape, uh, Scott. Cape Scott yeah. Marine Trail. Those are the more more challenging ones. But they sound like the best ones too. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so get out there, get some experience, and just start checking at these areas. It's uh, like you know, paddle when the weather's good, know the tides, and you're gonna have a great time. Yeah. So if you go to bis, bis if you go to BC Marine Trails. Dot O-R-G. You know it's bad when you start trying to pronounce abbreviations. <laughs> BIS. Yes. BC is BIS. <laughs> BCMarineTrails.org. If you go to their website, yeah. there's an in, there's tabs at the top. There's a lot of information on, on that uh, website. Resources and contacts and what you should know and a lot more information on, on the each of these four smaller marine trails. Uh, but the interactive map shows uh, campsites, informal sites, dispersed sites, launch sites, emergency pullouts, uh, private and commercial areas, uh, day use areas, primary sites, secondary sites. Uh, there's so much information that that you can zoom in and out on this map and find there's even like islands you you were seeing there Derek like this teeny tiny little island that's got a picnic table on it yeah you exactly. know like just a little it's a day trip out to a little island in the middle of the uh, of, of the area between Vancouver Island and the mainland and it's just there's just all these little islands there's thousands and thousands of islands out there and it's uh, you do a day trip out there, you know, sit on the beach and enjoy your lunch and paddle back. It's a, it's it's a beautiful area. Yeah. So go to bcmarinetrails.org and when you're there, besides the map, check out the resource page for trip planning and the Marine Code of Conduct. Uh, that tells you a lot about uh, what's expected and the safety and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it's things like this that, I mean, you've been talking about BC for years now and you see stuff like this and just like, yeah, that's number 6,487 on my bucket list. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I think that the northernmost and the southernmost points would be the best to, to travel on. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's though for those that are experienced, the East coast, uh, paddlers, like uh, with the tides and so on, this like, 
East Coast paddling is very exposed paddling. It's you don't have a lot of the same protections that you'd have here. So between the mainland and Vancouver Island, there's a lot of channels, narrow channels, and sure you're still going to inclement weather and winds blowing up, but uh, you can get into some of these channels and you can spend a lifetime just uh, you know just spelunking around looking at all these little island areas and and uh, you'll never you never grow bored of it. It's just uh, and it's it, the key thing is that it's a lot more protected. You still have the challenge of tides and you have to learn how to deal with tides learn the tide tables for your local areas but uh, yeah it's uh, there's so much to see and explore out there on vancouver island and in the uh, main, on the mainland it's uh, it's a beautiful area it's something that everybody should try and at least take a once one trip in your life to check this area out and try to do some some paddling if you have low experience there's a lot of uh, low impact areas that you can uh, you can get to and paddle in in safety for lesser experienced people but uh, those with more experience there's some really challenging areas and some amazing things to see mm-hmm. uh, i think it's definitely worth a trip now oh, absolutely tracy and ariana were talking about heading out to vancouver to do some some of the museums and stuff like that that are out there in art galleries. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. So Ariana was saying, hey, you should come with us, Dad. You should. But I wouldn't be <laughs> spending any time with them. I would feel kind yeah, of bad. Yeah, you'd be paddling. <laughs> yeah. How's the museum? Fun. Good. Okay, we'll meet for dinner. <laughs> we'll meet for breakfast yeah. and dinner. <laughs> yeah. Have breakfast. I'll see you in two days. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Have breakfast. You guys go that way. I'll go this way. So meet you at the airport in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of bad. Mind you, I've also been checking out Greenland lately, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we've been doing these trips. Uh, we, we've been get, getting these every two years. We're doing some sort of trip. And um, we we're talking about going uh, to, like, Louisiana and stuff like that, New Orleans, and then we were talking, well, we got to go down to the Everglades and maybe do some tripping down there. And and then I start looking, oh, Greenland. <laughs> like, total left turn. Yeah. So, Wait a sec. Look at that. <laughs> you know, it's eventually, I got to think, eventually this is going to turn from a a buy, or what's that, two, every two years. Um, every two Biannual year trip. or something? Is it biannual? I guess it would be, or yeah. Is it- yeah, yeah, a biannual know. trip to a, a, an annual trip somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna happen. But <laughs> come on, lottery, big oh, lottery! Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was sixty yeah. million next uh, or this Friday? Yeah, that's because I didn't win it this week. Hey, what a coincidence! So. Neither did I. <laughs> so I did buy a lottery tickets just in the hopes that I'll win the lotto, so I could keep both houses. And uh, I did win. I did win on the on the Lotto Max last night. I won a whopping twenty dollars. Really, the most I've ever yeah. won is fifty bucks. How much? Fifty. Fifty. Yep. The most I won was back in nineteen ninety four. I won eighty seven dollars and some odd cents. I won a hundred and thirty six on Proline once. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I never won again, so I stopped playing. <laughs> We uh, we have this jar or this big bowl, I guess, uh, on our table, and Tracy likes to buy the scratch tickets, so she'll buy a couple for everybody, and we scratch, and oh, you win, throw it in the container there, and then okay, we'll take. Of course, you're in the car when you stop somewhere with a lotto, right? Yeah, and those tickets are still sitting at home in that in that bowl. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I collected them all. I scanned. I, I got the app so I could scan, and I wrote what each one was, like $3, $5, $9, $3, $4, free play. Took them all. I finally took them all in. $295. Oh, wow. Plus a bunch of free play, <laughs> like free tickets and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we – I find that with a lot of that sort of stuff, you end up like pretty much winning back what you spend. Yeah. You know, as long as you break even, not a biggie, but yeah, you just well, want that really big inter- one. You got to kind of aim for it for the entertainment value because nobody really wins at that stuff. It's like, oh, so few and infrequent, infrequent that uh, yeah. it's all, <laughs> you're not doing it to win. You're doing it to uh, the, it's for the dreams, the excitement. Oh, it's for the dreams that are dashed the minute you finish scratching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, one day, one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got anything else uh, to add this I, week? I, I do not. Awesome. Well, I will let you know next week if I uh, have a brand new dry suit. Dry suit. Yeah. Awesome. I, <laughs> you may get a call. <laughs> I can't record tonight. I can't get the dry suit off. <laughs> I just can't get it. it off over my head. And I refuse to shave my beard. That's right. I'm going to either wear it for a week or I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> the suit, not the beard. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you're there, don't forget, summer's coming, and if you need some Paddling Adventures radio t-shirts, tank tops, and all that sort of stuff, we do have our merch page. Uh, If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.